You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Let's have a look at a set of results from a JSE-listed company. The company in question is Discovery, and it says here, Group Chief Executive Adrian Gore announces the performance of the Discovery Group for the year ended 30th of June 2019. New business annualised premium income API up 13%. Normalised profit from operations down 3%. Spend on new initiatives increased by 114%. Normalised headline earnings down 7%. Embedded value up 9%. Normalised headline earnings per share down 8%. Volatility, I think, is the watchword here. Adrian Gore is with me now. Adrian, it's been quite a volatile period for you in many ways. You know, Lindsay, I think two, two things kind of frame the results. One is the spend on new initiatives. I mean, the, the key issue there is a Discovery Bank. So there was an expectation of a reduction. Um, I guess the only thing that was volatile for us was the... the in the first six months, we had the kind of a, a claim spike inside Discovery Life, just some, a very small number of large value claims. These things happen, and we've kind of recovered from it. We set, reworked our reinsurance structures, etc. So, But the rest of it was actually very much according to plan, um, I must say. You say here the group remains well-positioned for growth. We are capitalised, well-capitalised for our five-year planning horizon and for continued growth through the combination of robust established businesses, scaling emerging businesses and the new initiatives we are building, supported by further improvement in capital metrics, etc., etc. But there have been challenges for you. You're not a custodian of the share price, but as I said to one of your colleagues about 10 days ago from one of your divisions, it must in the corridors of Discovery's splendid building in Santon, just worry slightly about what's been happening. We obviously watch sentiment very carefully. Um, and, you know, things like the, the debate and the, the, the really strong feelings about things like the NHI are obviously very, very important. But these are, uh, Lindsay, I mean, these are very difficult, complex times. You know, we've We've had a very, very, a very clear and focused approach to to kind of growing, but being prudent at the same time. Um, and I, I, I do believe that while these things are difficult and sentiment is is often is is complex, our approach to everything I think has been to listen and learn to be very careful about everything, but to pursue growth. I mean, I do think we have a, a, a unique opportunity. I think our model is working well. I think things like Discovery Bank have tremendous potential. So while it is complex and as you say, sentiment is 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 tricky. Uh, we need to grow. We need to do so prudently, and that's what we're doing. Let's go to the results briefly, if we can. And let's start with South Africa. We've got Discovery Health, Life, Invest, Insure, and we'll get to the bank in a moment. But just give us a, a synopsis, an overview of what happened in South Africa. Well, I think in South Africa, the you know the the one notable thing was the claims spike in Discovery Life. Absent that, um, I think the performance was good. Discovery Health continues to perform really well, very robustly. Discovery Life, absent that issue, had a robust performance. Insure, our motor insurance business, um, really has grown nicely and good profit emerging. And then Discovery Invest, uh, I think quite, quite, quite amazingly, had a, had a, a very difficult market with markets flat and people drawing money. But in fact, quite the opposite. We had good flows in, good profitability. The company's profits are approaching a billion. So generally, I think the kind of established businesses in South Africa have done really well. You know, the the focus on creating this behavioral composite model in, in South Africa is really gaining a lot of traction for us. So each of the businesses, I think, in themselves have done well, but I think the issue of their ability to interact 
especially around the bank, is something we're really working towards. Do you find that the beleaguered South African consumer is starting to get slightly concerned about its policies with discovery, for example? I mean, I, I know from bitter personal experience, I know that certain people have let their policies lapse, for example. Are you finding that as a trend or are you resilient because of the quality um, I, of your product? So I think, I think not to sound flippant at all, I mean, you know, issues of things like the cost of healthcare, that is our absolute and total responsibility. So we are fighting very hard to keep costs of healthcare down. That's our mandate. Um, having said that, even through a very difficult period, what we call the lapse rate, you know, the percentage of people leaving us is, is at low levels. Uh, health had a very low lapse rate, so did life, so did insurance, so did invest. If you look at across the board of our South African businesses, I think one notable uh, aspect for the period is lapse rates have been very, very low. So, I mean, we, we're pleased about that. Again, no arrogance, but it is quite remarkable. I think it talks to how people engage in the model and to an extent how they value the product. So the one thing I think we're feeling good about is the product quality and how people are engaging with us. Discovery Bank, it says here, continued its phased rollout and currently has more than 22,000 active clients and more than 50,000 accounts. Deposits and approved credit limits exceed 190 million rand and 900 million respectively. Costs in the building, testing and running of Discovery Bank have largely been in line with expectations. Is this something that you still believe is going to be a viable proposition given the competitive nature of the banking environment in South Africa and also the parlous state of the South African economy? Um, yes, I do. Um, I, I think the the Discovery Bank value proposition, I think, is very, very strong. The receptivity we had is very good. You know, the figures you quote are really, we've been, we've been a bit late. We, we kind of three or four months, uh, took us longer to get into the market than we said. So we've been a bit late. And the figures that you quote are literally six weeks of, of, six weeks of, of, um, of work that we've done. And I think the initial receptivity, the rate of deposit, the deposit levels, the, the kind of quality and, and uh, level of applications for credit have all been good. So I think we're feeling very good about Discovery Bank. Having said that, it's a very competitive market with very strong competitors who offer great value. So again, no arrogance, but I think the concept of the behavioral bank and the value proposition is something we have great confidence in. So it's early days, but we're feeling confident about it. It's the second time you mentioned arrogance, but obviously you're very confident. I would say uh, confidence rather than arrogance. What is the proposition for someone like me, for example, who I've been banking with the same bank for the last 25 years? What is the proposition to entice me away from that bank? I mean, are you cheaper? Are you better? Are you giving me a little bit more accessibility? That sort of thing. I mean, this is what people want these days. Listen, I think our view is the, the idea is that we will offer you dramatically better interest rates on both on saving and, and borrowing, and those rates will flex based on how you manage your money, so it's in your control. Secondly, we'll offer you considerable incentives around flights and discounts and discovery miles that are really very, very valuable because of the vitality chassis. So if you're managing your health and managing your money, you're going to do very well. And then we're launching things like discovery miles where – it's a hugely valuable currency you can earn by doing physical activity, driving well, spending responsibly, and you can do all of this in the face of the mobile. So the actual fintech quality of it, together with the behavioral aspects, I think is quite unique. So this is a kind of bank-heavy offering. This is not a, you know, a skinny account that you have as a secondary account. This is something that we want you to use. And I think you'll find that it's a particularly beautiful product, and if you use it on the face of the mobile, it's very appealing. So. I think it offers real, real tangible value and it's linked to things you control. 
Tell me about the UK. I've just watched uh, Jeremy Corbyn and Boris Johnson in Prime Minister's Questions Time go head to head. And I fear for the UK. How's your UK business going? The UK business is going actually well, but it, it, it does have risk in that environment. The health business actually was probably the star of our entire set of businesses. The performance was remarkable. Quality of earnings, cash generation, loss ratios, growth, everything about it was good. The life business um, performed quite well on key metrics, but in fact, the real risk in the UK as a financial institution's rates of interest. You know, and you've got very low rates of interest. Your reinvestment rates are a li- as a life insurer, premiums is lower than you expected, you know, so you, you, you have much greater financial cost in that regard. So, I mean, uh, sorry, I'm being verbose. Mm. Uh, I think the performance in the period was good, uh, but like you said, I think it presents risk. I think that, you know, how Brexit plays out, how interest rates uh, uh, unfold in the, you know, in the next year is, is quite crucial to profitability and to growth. So it's a complex environment. Yes, it is very complex indeed. What about China? That's always been complex given the Hong Kong situation. But you say here, Ping An Health had a remarkable year. Total revenue grew by 74% in the Chinese currency, of course. Tell us about uh, the year under review and also the potential in the next few years. We have Ping An Health. I mean, obviously, it's in a, in a nascent insurance market. So it's not affected to the extent, you know, the Chinese economy is so big and there's so much emerging demand for, for health insurance. So it's growing like a, it's growing ridiculously, 70, 80% a year for the last three years or so. Um, they've got a target of getting to 10 billion RMB, which is about 20 billion rand of premium this calendar year. It's amazing out of a startup phase. So the growth has been staggering. I have to say, you know, you, you can focus on quality, growth, or profit. You can't have them all, you know. And we kind of, I think with Pingon, have felt that quality and growth is more important than quick emergence of profit. So the profit is emerging quite strongly. But it's embedded in the business. Our view is, given how big that opportunity is, we need to pursue growth and quality. And I think in this period, if you look at all the quality ratios, you know, claims levels, lapse rates have been great. But the quantum has been tremendous. So there are all kinds of complexities. But, you know, again, the performance out of King on Health has been remarkable. Do you think that that will be a bigger chunk of your business if we're speaking in five years' time? Do you think the percentage of your revenue will be significantly increased from Ping An? I mean, it just seems to me with these numbers, they're very extravagant numbers. And uh, South Africa may not drift off, but be sort of pushed aside by what's happening in China. Look, I'd like to think that that's possible because of just the, the scale of what happens there. But I think we've got to take it year by year. You know, we own 25% of the of the company, but it's it's you know, just its its footprint in terms of number of lives covered and its new business footprint is starting to make a massive impression on our entire group. So you're right. I think the relative size of the opportunity, but I think we kind of feel take it year by year, see how it plays out, and I think that's the right approach. NHI now. The NHI thing knocked your share price. And as I said before, you're not the custodian of the share price. You're the custodian of the company, but you have to look at it. And I think the NHI story is is not a scam, but it's certainly spurious because I don't think it's going to happen for five to 10 years because we simply don't have the money. So there's nothing to worry about. What is your view on NHI? Um, I, I share a similar view, although I hope it's not a cynical view. It's a view that Given the complexity of what's required, it is going to take time. And to be fair to the policymakers, they also have a view of 2026, 2027. So this is a, you know, this is a decade-long process. I think the tragedy is if we don't have the resources, as you say. Mm. But I have to say, being in the industry, we are committed to trying to help build and be creative to make it work. I think the status quo is also not acceptable. You know, so 
So th- these are important, massively important issues for the country's stability, I believe, and kind of moral standing and just doing the right thing. So I don't think that the intentions are bad at all. I think we need to try and make it work. We've been clear that the policy direction is something we support. I think we've taken a, a strong line, and again, obviously sounds self-interested, but intellectually, strongly we believe that the private healthcare system and medical schemes must be preserved because they're a safety valve. With such inequality, it's kind of inevitable. Mm. So, you know, we're trying to, trying to be constructive, and I think we will be, but also trying to be clear about the role of private healthcare, which I think is important. Fun question, and this is a comment from a person with whom you're familiar. His name is David Shapiro. He tweeted the following. My discovery conundrum is that 94% of operating profits come from maturing South Africa businesses, Health Life Invest. 17% comes from the UK, also tough area, he says. That's 111%. All other businesses cost 11%. So how long will it take and how much will it cost for minus 11% to make up for the flat SA biz. That's his tweet, not mine. What do you say to that? Yeah. Um, I think it's, um, look, I think it's factually correct, except that if you look at the history of discovery, every business started out as a loss maker and took a few years to build. You know, so that 95% he, he cites correctly is made up of things like discovery invest that are generating now a billion, you know, or ping on that are, you know, that is starting to really. So that, that's how the model has been. Um, I think I think you must give us a bit of time. I think the new starts, if we're dealing with things like Discovery Bank, they are hugely audacious in what we're trying to do. But I think if we achieve them, I'm confident we will, that mix will change over time. And that's uh, that's exactly the intention. So maybe I would guess, maybe my response would be, you know, given our capital plan is baiting, given all the new starts we're doing, given the role of the emerging businesses as they come out, um, we're feeling good about how the group will grow. Adrian, thank you very much for your insight and your commentary on your results. That's Adrian Gore, the CEO of Discovery, whose results were released earlier today. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.